I want you to consider for a bit, let's say you had a dear friend that you heard was very sick. So what is your, the first thing you're going to do? How many of you would try to call the person on the phone, send an email? Some of us might, especially the, the friends that were very close, uh, might try to go and see that friend, especially if we know they're very sick, something that uh, is going to be unto death, and especially if we hear that, that this is very, very serious, we're going, going to try to be there sooner. Am I correct in that? I think most of us would. But that's not what our Lord does when he hears that Lazarus, his friend, the, word, the words that are used here is, is, is this, this one for whom he has affection, this friendship, vital. It's, he's, these are friends. And so Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. And so when he heard that he was ill, he remained for two days where he was. Of course, he didn't have emails or telephones. To get news took time. And maybe, perhaps, to give Jesus a little out. Maybe that's why Jesus stays where he is, so they, the, whoever is the carrier of the news can find him a little bit easier without having to, uh, to go and look for him. But all the same, Jesus remained there. And the reason Jesus remains is he knows what he's going to do. He remains there because this illness is not to end in death, but is for the glory of God. Glory. It's for God's glory. And so he stays there, and after two days, well, let's go. He's asleep. We're going to go awaken him. If he's asleep, he's going to be fine. No, he's dead. This is the one who, elsewhere, was able to tell that somebody was sick or somebody that was getting better. He was the one from a distance could heal the centurion's son, if you remember that. Go, it is, your son will recover. This is one with a simple word, could heal, who allows his friend to die and isn't there, had made no attempt. If we read it at straight level, this is not good. Jesus comes off as cruel, doesn't he? But he knows what he's doing. And so when he gets to that village, Bethany, he hears the story. Why should back up? In chapter 10 uh, of John's Gospel, we hear that Jesus is spending, this is the last of the Gospel, or the passage right before today's Gospel. Jesus is in the place where John the Baptist was baptizing, had baptized. According to tradition, that is uh, sometimes is called Bethany of, uh, across the Jordan. It happens to be Bethany to Bethany. It is uh, north of the Dead Sea across the Jordan River. And it is about 60 kilometers, about 36, 37 miles uh, on, the, on the, the, uh, the road, give or take. It would take about 12 hours to travel, to walk. Now it's just a matter of getting in a car, and it's still about an hour's drive because of twists and turns, and you can't go too fast. Twelve hours. So by the time Jesus gets to the village, not only the two days he spent, but the day he, he took to travel, 
he had already missed the death. That by the time the news uh, reached his ears, most likely Lazarus was already in his final hours. Jesus knew what he was going to do. And Mary con- or Martha confronts him first. Lord, if you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. But even now, I know something's going to happen. Even now, I trust that he will be raised on the last day. And Mary comes, and she says the same thing. Lord, if you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. And even the Jews say, oh, see how much he loved him. But the others said, well, if he loved him so much, why did he let him die? This is the man that could raise the dead. This is a man that could heal the sick. This is a man that made the paralyzed walk, the lame, uh, the lame dance for joy, the blind see, the, the mute speak, the deaf hear. This is the one with the simple word could cast out demons. If he loved him, why did this happen? And we might perhaps say the same thing. And don't we say the same thing sometimes? Lord, if you are Lord, why did this evil thing happen? Why did, that, why did this occur? Why is there poverty, starvation? Why is there hunger? Why is there child abuse, domestic abuse, rapes, murders? Why is there divorce? Why, why are people so opposed to life? Why is there so much evil in the world? Lord, if you are there, why? And some do the reverse of because of all this evil, because of all these things, obviously then God doesn't exist. Certainly not a good God. But God knows what he's doing. Jesus knows what he's doing. It is for the glory of God. That Jesus, again, with the simple word, is able to do something. When he sees Martha and Mary, when he sees the crowds crying, he weeps. And perhaps that's something for us to remember, that God does not cause evil. He allows it, a major difference. He allows evil. But when he allows it, he allows it because he knows some greater good will come of it. But even though he allows it, he still has passion for us. He still, still, as as we hear, Jesus wept. This is the shortest verse in the whole Bible. Of course, chapters and verses were were created way after the the authors wrote um, any of the, the books of the Bible, way after the evangelists wrote their Gospels. But still, I think the, the, whoever it is that put chapter and verse to this particular passage realized the impact of that statement. And Jesus wept. Jesus weeps with us when we experience evil. But he does something more. He doesn't just let us experience evil and say, well, that's too bad for you. And he's not distant, uncaring, unkind. But he knows what he's going to do. And I do admit I find some humor here. It's the most understated uh, statement in the whole of, I'm convinced, the whole of scriptures. Lord, he's been dead for four days. He's been in the tomb. By now there will be a stench. Consider, if you will, 
just a little bit of rotted flesh in the heat of the summer. It is a stench, isn't it? Four days. And I think there, there's something more for us to reflect on with four days. Uh, theologians and, and philosophers uh, spend way too much time uh, asking the question, well, when does the soul leave the body? Well, <laughs> we, we're not quite sure. That's what, you know, we leave that matter up to God. But we do know this. When corruption has touched the body, the soul is probably not there any longer. Lord, there's a stench. He's dead. This Lazarus is deader than dead. Four days. It doesn't matter to the Lord. He knows what he's going to do. And it's for his glory. To glorify God the Father. So he prays. And he says the simple words, Lazarus, come forth. Have you ever talked to a stone or a wall? Do you expect an answer? That's the answer Jesus should have expected when he talked to the body of Lazarus. Because Lazarus is dead. But no. And I want you to consider, and then again, it is a funny scene when you consider it. But when we look at the detail, he's bound hand and foot with a cloth covering his face. Now those that are familiar with the Shroud of Turin, which more than likely is authentic, you, you might be familiar with it. It's a long cloth that is double the length of a body. They would lay the person on one half of the cloth and fold it over. It would get folded over at the head to the person's foot. And they would then bind the cloth, wrapping it around, tying the feet together, tying the legs together, tying at the knees and, and various other places, tying the hands together onto the body, tying it all down and covering it all with, with this face cloth that is mentioned. Not only is Lazarus dead, but he's bound. But he cannot resist the word of Jesus Christ. When Jesus calls him forth, however it is, hopping perhaps, he comes forth. And it's only after he comes out of the tomb that he is freed from the bindings that held him. It is so irresistible, the resurrection that, or the resuscitation, I should say, that Jesus calls to Lazarus, gives him, is so irresistible that nothing binds him, not death, not the binds and the bones and the, the cloth, nothing. And perhaps the same is true for us. Sometimes when we look at the world, we, we might get overwhelmed and ask that, that same question, Lord, if you had been here, why did this happen? If you had been here, why does this happen? We have people that deny the existence of God, as already said. Deny him, and especially with things like the Holocaust. There can't be a God because God allowed, if there is a God, this great, good and gracious God allowed something as horrible as six million Jews to be slaughtered. We, we, we look at, at the... the death toll of communism or, or the, the, uh, the evils of tsunamis or earthquakes. We, we look at all this evil and we say, how can there be a good God? Or that God doesn't care. This gospel passage tells us otherwise. That God does care. 
that God doesn't just care, but he does something about it. Perhaps when we start to look at how God is trying to be glorified and how God is trying to get our attention with the evil that is allowed, we begin to understand that God doesn't want evil, desire it, cause it, but sometimes he allows it. And so we might ask ourselves, what is the glory of God that he's trying to do this day? And if, if God is doing this with evil, how much more is God doing it with the little things that, that annoy us? The little things that just don't simply go our way. If God is trying to get our attention with all this evil, how much more the evil that we cause ourselves? That he's trying to get our attention and trying to help us to see that his will is irresistible when it comes down to it. That nothing will hinder it, ultimately. It didn't hinder Lazarus, the shroud and the binding cloths. It shouldn't hinder us, either. We come this day knowing that whatever it is that we're dealing with this day, the Lord is here, that he cares, that he's compassionate. And that he's going to bring some glory about if only we listen to his voice.